We are super pleased that you've joined us for worship this morning. Uh, it is, I heard a crazy thing this morning. They said that 50% of our country this morning is in church. 50% of our country is in church today. Isn't that amazing? So uh, praise God. And I know it can be down people like, well, Christmas and Easter. But man, hey, praise God, you know. Uh, we remember his resurrection today, amen. Yeah, it's really good stuff. We're going to spend some time this morning. I want to read from the Gospel of Mark. Um, we're going to uh, talk from this text today. So if you brought a Bible, uh, grab it and look up Mark 16. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab one of ours. They're like on the end of the chair rows and on the table in front of you. And flip to page 713. I'm read this story this morning and then talk about it a bit. I love to, love to remember the story and hear it. Like, let's just hear the word again today. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large and had already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go and tell his disciples, and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I'm going to ask you to do something with me right now. Keep your finger there. Don't close your Bible. We're not done with that yet. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. We always pray that we could understand what God's word says. We believe he inspired it to be written. And we're going to ask him to help us understand it. That means you guys too. So join me in prayer if you would. Uh, Father God, today we are so honored to be in your house and in your presence. Um, we are blessed to be here uh, because you welcome us here in your name. And we thank you so much uh, for Easter today. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. Um, salvation is offered to us and that we can receive under, you know, just as a gift. Uh, what an awesome opportunity we have today to remember you. I pray, Father God, though, as we enter into your word, that your spirit would control us, that your spirit would control this service, that it would not be man's words or, or insights, but it would be your Holy Spirit's conviction that would lead us toward you. And wherever we are right now on our journey with you, whatever's going on in our lives, I pray that we would be willing to sit and listen just where we are and sit and listen to you, Father, for you to have for us the teaching, the instruction, the love the story. Would you help us to find our place in it today? We trust that you will do this work. We trust that you will show us your great love today. And we pray this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love this. I love the gospel, Mark. I've been telling you guys that for a few weeks. It's the shortest gospel, but I love it because it's so raw and honest. And I love that at the end of the story, see, we're all here and it's Easter and everyone's excited, you know, we're in church, we're going to hang out with family today and do fun stuff. But it's funny to me that these first women who saw the resurrection, the word says they were terrified and afraid. 
at the end. That's what it says. They, they were afraid of the whole thing. They didn't know what, what to think, what. I think it's an interesting thing because I do believe that we know what it's like to be afraid, don't we? Afraid of death, afraid of dying, afraid of someone else dying, afraid of someone we loved having died. I would actually admire these women for their courage because after the Sabbath, they were going to anoint the body, you know? All the women doing it, you know? And yet, at the end, they were afraid. Many of us will actually spend our whole lives running from death. We, and, and I don't know if you have that kind of honesty with yourself where you examine what drives me in my life. But for many of us, it's, it's to create things that distract us from the truth that we're going to die. It's, it's a, um, a fitness regime. It's, it's an eating plan. It, it's something we're going to do to postpone death as long as possible, but we're going to avoid it. We're going to flee from it. We're going to be anywhere near it. And that's exactly what we see this morning in these women at the tomb. They flee from death. I want to talk to you today about one question with two sides to it. And it's written there on your sheets. If you grab an engagement sheet, and the question is, who's worth dying for? I mean, we spend our whole lives running from death, but the question is, who is worth dying for? We'll look at some two sides from Scripture today. The first reality is that Jesus, and this is kind of the root of the gospel, is that Jesus believed that you and I are worth dying for. And that's what the gospel says. He knew it, he saw it, and he went to his death willingly. Did he want to die? He didn't want to die. He was willing to die. Look at, I want to go through here, first and 16. So keep your Bibles open. Look in verse 4. They show up at the place where Jesus should be dead, and they say this. They saw the stone, oh, they, but they looked up, and they saw the stone, which was already removed. They had, knew what they were going into. They knew what was coming next. They knew that, that, that dead people stayed dead. They knew that he had died, and they were surprised when they saw he wasn't there. I wonder, in your life, are you ever surprised by the way Jesus works? Have you ever shown up somewhere and you've known everything that should be coming, everything that's going to happen, and you've lived long enough in this life? I mean, at, by the point you're an adult, you start to think, I've seen most things I need to see. And yet here we have the story of, of a surprise, something we did not expect from Jesus, but I want to say something even more interesting. Look what it says in verse 5. As they entered the tomb, there's something about death that draws us in. There's something about wanting to know what's, what's, what's really going on. Wanting to see Jesus. Wanting to find him or, or someone that we love in that state. See, the truth of Easter, for all the things that we make Easter about, and we make it about a lot of things, is it draws us in to a story about God's Son dying for us. And I don't know how much time you have today to spend thinking about Easter, because we're going to have a lot of stuff, but it draws us into this idea that Jesus gave his life. We're invited in with these women to the empty tomb. 
to go and look for yourselves. Is he still there? Or is he not? We're drawn into the mystery of his death. We remembered that last week on Good Friday. But then it says they were alarmed. And the first word, by the way, and let me just say, the first thing they, they, they they're kind of just shocked. It's, it's not what they expected to find. But the first word from, from God's servant sitting there is, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. This is what he said would happen. Don't be afraid. It's encouraging to me that every time that we find ourselves amazed or awestruck or dumbfounded or frozen, and I love the idea of being frozen, that they stood there and they were just completely stunned by what they saw, that in that moment, God has something to say to us. I don't know if you've been there in your life, man. I've got there in my life where I'm just out of answers and I'm, I'm, I'm out of everything. And I'm just like, I did not, I don't know what to do. And in that moment, God has something to say. And here he says, don't, don't be alarmed. This is the plan. This is what was supposed to happen. Right? Um, I want you to turn back a few... Um, a few pages with me. Same book. We're going to flip back a few pages to Mark chapter 14. So, actually, before we do that, let's do something else. Let's go to Mark 15. I want to show you something else. Um, Mark 15, verses 37 and on there. We'll just work here for a sec, okay? This is the remembrance. This is why I said they were so amazed. They were so stunned, right? The word says this, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the centurion who were standing guard in front of Jesus heard the cry and saw how he died and said, surely this man was the son of God. Now look at verse 40. Some women were watching from a distance, and among them, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Younger, and Joseph, and Salome. Those are the same three ladies who come to the tomb. In Galilee's women had followed him and cared for his needs, and many other women who had come up from Jerusalem were also there. I mean, so they saw him die, and they saw him laid in the tomb. They knew where he was supposed to be. Now let's go back to um, Mark 14. We're going to work our way back here into the gospel of Jesus, because I want us to understand that we can see this and go, oh, what? What's going on? But this was all things that um, Jesus had talked about. Um, after the Last Supper... Jesus, and this is right after the Last Supper, Jesus said these things. In verse 27 of chapter 14, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, because it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But look what the word says. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Right? Now, then if, if, this is kind of the way it is to follow Jesus. If you're not paying attention, you miss it. Because we usually get caught up in what happens next, which is Peter going, I'm not going to fall away, you know, that kind of whole that thing. Um, but Jesus says, no, this is going to happen. The word says, I'm going to strike the shepherd, and the sheep are going to scatter. This is all expected. And after, look at what they, he says, but after I've risen, I will go into Galilee. But they were amazed. They were amazed. But Jesus wasn't. He had told them, this is going to happen. But I'll go back even further into his ministry. One more time. Back to Mark 8. 
Mark 8, verse 31. This is right after Peter says, you are the Christ. By the way, that means he's the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of all the prophecies of Scripture. And, and Peter recognizes this, okay? And after he does that, this is what Jesus says. The word says, then he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, but Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And the word that just stood out to me as I was thinking about Easter week and the, you know, the empty tomb and the women's amazement is Jesus said, these things must happen. They are required. It has to happen like this. And in spite of that, and in spite of him saying again that I'm going to go ahead of you in a Galilee, still they stand amazed. What happened? What's going on in the empty tomb? Jesus said, it is required. Uh, the, you know, uh, the bottom line is that Jesus willingly gave his life for us. He knew going in he was going to die. I heard someone this week. We were talking about Easter because it's Easter week. We're talking about the sacrifice and all, all that and Jesus' um, love for us. And they said, did you ever think about the fact that if it was only you, Jesus would die? If it was just you, he would willingly lay down his life and go to a cross to pay for your sin. And I, I guess I thought about that sort of. I said, well, yeah, you know, I, I get it. He would die for me. But he died for everybody. Me too. But he died for everybody. But do you understand the power of that reality? There was just one. He would die. But Jesus' death was bigger than that. He died for the sins of the whole world. He died for all of us. He died for all the brokenness. He died for all the failure. He died for all the shortcomings we have. He died for all the ways that I screw up. He died for all the ways that I don't do the things I ought to do. He did it willingly. For me. For you. Romans says it this way. He was delivered over to death for our sins. For our sins. Like, wow. How much does God love us? Like, that much. That he gave his only son to die for me. It's hard. Maybe like the women, you, you look and you're stunned. You're like, oh, you know, what, how do you even respond to that? What do you even say to God who loves you that much? This isn't a God that you have to uh, please or do the right things or answer the right questions or pray the right prayers. It's a God who gave his son that you might live. Maybe like the disciples, you were stunned. Maybe like the disciples, you were afraid. But 
But the other question you have to ask, too, is if you believe this stuff, and maybe many of you do, you say, I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe he paid the price. I believe he's my righteousness when I'm unrighteous. Then we have to ask the other side of that question, which is who's worth dying for? Or what life is worth dying for? All of a sudden, in an instant like that, man, the whole thing flips around and you say, gosh, is this life about me or about something else? Is, is there something bigger happening than, than, than you know, my situation, than my checks, than my house, than my, my family, than all the concerns that I have? What life is worth dying for? I hope you're still in Mark 8. Because right after he says these things plainly, and right after Peter starts to rebuke him, in verse 34, Jesus says this, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He must. The miracle of Easter is that in Jesus we see the perfect offer of salvation and forgiveness, but on the other side we see the perfect opportunity to follow him and to go with him and to find true life. As a matter of fact, in verse 35, Jesus says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose his life. But whoever loses life for me and for my gospel will save his life. What are you living for? What am I living for? Are we willing to see in Easter the same opportunity for us? Flip back ahead with me. Mark 14. Mark 14, verses um, 28 through 31. Told you already, Jesus said, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. <laughs> and then Peter, this is what we usually get on this verse, says, even if everyone else falls away, I won't fall away right? I tell you the truth, Jesus says to Peter, today, yeah, even tonight, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You will, Peter. And then Peter insisted, no way, even if I have to die tonight, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same thing. No way. We, we'll die with you if we have to. Let me just talk for real with you for a minute, right? I mean, many people have been in church a long time, right? You've been hanging out with Christians, and you've been learning the Christian words and saying the right stuff, you know, and trying to act like you're doing the right thing, and maybe sometimes doing the right thing, which is even better than acting like doing the right thing. Have you ever said that to God? Not me, Lord. I'm with you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm your man, have you ever said that? Or I'm your woman, <laughs> right? You can count on me. In that moment, I'm asking you today, like, do you even think that God's saying, look to me for life? Are you looking to him? And in that moment, you're following him. Are you, are you thinking, uh, I'll go anywhere with you? I'll do anything you want? 
I'll give you my whole life. I'll give you everything beyond my salvation, beyond assurance of heaven. I'm going to go with you, Jesus, and see what you can do with all that you've given me. Have you, have you done that? Peter here says, man, I'm, I'm in. I'm going. And maybe you've made that same pledge. I'm amazed by the relationship between Jesus and Peter. I'm amazed. We call him Saint Peter, which is funny, right? Because he says, I will die with you. And Jesus says, no, you're going to disown me. You're going to disown me, Peter. And as we know, as we know in the Easter story, Peter does. He does. But turn back with me, if you would, to where we started in Matthew, or Mark 16. I told you, man, you get stuck in a spot, you know, and you're like, um, I don't know what to say now. I don't know what to do now. I don't know how to move forward or whatever. God always has something to say. I'm going to read a few verses around it. Verse 6, don't be alarmed, the man in the tomb said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Look, see the place where they laid him. Remember, they could see the place where they laid him. But look. Go tell his disciples and who? Peter? Are you amazed by grace like that? That Peter would say, I'll never deny you. If I have to give my life for you, I will. And then he immediately hedges his bets. I don't know, Jesus. I'm not sure who this guy is. I kind of believe in Jesus. I, I go to church because my family goes to church, but, you know, it's kind of weird. I mean, I don't, eh, you know. And you kind of just step slowly away from Jesus, right? And the word that God brings from the empty tomb to the women who are amazed is, uh, you go out and tell everyone, Oh, and don't forget Peter. Tell Peter that I'm going to meet him on the hill, just like I said. Isn't that amazing? Man, we're in that same boat with those disciples. We're in that same place of faith and life and desperation and hope and amazement and sacrifice but utter uh, silence, really, at his love and grace. Go tell Peter he will see him in Galilee, just like I said. Romans 4.25 doesn't just say, Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins, right? We know that part of the gospel, but he was raised to new life for our justification so that we could be right with God. He calls us into new life, and that's the whole church. And I don't mean the whole, the people who know Christ as Lord and Savior. He calls us into life through the resurrection. Will you go with him? Will you live with him? Will you find true life with him? And I know, man, we're all Peter, right? We're all hedging our bets a little bit. And you're like probably thinking, dude, you're a pastor. You don't hedge your bets. We all hedge our bets a little bit. I'm just saying, you know, there's that part we're fighting for. 
See, it's Easter, and we look to Jesus, we see a life that's beyond anything we could have hoped for or imagined. But you've got to be willing to go with them and let go of all the stuff from the past, the stuff you thought you knew about yourself and others, who God is and, you know, how he's leading you. Check it out. And you have to be willing to um, follow him. What we see in Jesus is a Savior who will not quit on us, who won't quit. I love that. So the question is, what must we do? What, should we, what must we do? And I'm going to share with you two, uh, one verse actually from uh, the book of Romans. And uh, I'm going to put it up here. I'm going to talk about it just for a minute and it will be done today. This is what the word says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It reads like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it says. You can see it right there. You can see it in your own Bible if you have one, right? Paul's writing to the church in Rome. It's in the middle of this whole big conversation about justification, but he makes this very succinct statement. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You ask the question, what must I do? And the first thing you must do is you must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And uh, you might say, well, that's easy. I'll just do it right now. Jesus is Lord, right? We don't, we don't, we, we don't serve a God of lip service. These words are powerful words. Jesus is Lord. We've kind of made him so trite and trivial, man, but it means that God is in charge. It means that Jesus rules over our life. It means that my stuff belongs to the king. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. He's, he's in charge. He directs my path. He makes my plans. He shows me where to go. I go and talk to him. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That means that, you know, you can take that and say, well, that means that sometimes publicly, yeah, you're going to say, how do you live your life, man? I serve Jesus. I follow Jesus. How do you live your life? There's a whole bunch of ways to live your life. But I follow Jesus. He's my king and my Lord. But it also means that when you, you're, you know, making decisions, you're praying. Jesus, what are, you, what are we doing? What do you want me to do here? Where are we heading with this? I'm talking this real life stuff. It's not, about, it's not about being in church on Sunday. It's not about answering the right questions to the right people. When they ask you the right questions, and it's not about hiding who we really are. It's about talking to the God who knows us and made us and loved us. Died for us to set us free. It's true for every person here. It is strange that it says you must say it with your mouth, though, right? Jesus is Lord. You can't just think it in your mind. It's not what the scripture says. If you profess Jesus is Lord with your mouth, with your life, right? And then we get to the second part, and this is all about Easter. You must believe, and the word says in your heart, I didn't put it up there, that God raised him from the dead. You must believe in the resurrection. That God literally called his son from the tomb. And that's literally our hope for life. I was able to serve this morning with uh, some of the other pastors in town at the sunrise service, and we talked about the same idea 
that God calls us out of the grave into life. And he certainly will do that. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead, Paul says, and you will be saved. You'll be saved. Certainly. Hope after death. Certainly. Lay my head down. I'll tell you one quick story. Great, great friend of mine, a great man of God and a saint. And I, by the way, if you don't know my story, I wasn't a believer for a long, long time. I, I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in another church, but I wasn't raised as a believer. And as I came into the faith and I started to meet men and women of genuine faith, it changed me. Genuine faith, not the pretenders, not the fake ones, you know, real people who really believed the gospel. It started to shape my life. And I was talking to this man, and he's getting, he's in his 80s. He's, you know, I mean, and we all, we're delusional. We think everyone else is closer to the end than we are. Do you guys think that this morning? Someone else is closer than you are? Well, I felt like he was close. <laughs> you know, Don's close. And he was talking to me, and I said, man, what, what have you learned? What are you? And he said, I learned that whenever I close my eyes for that last time, I'll see my Savior. I'm ready for that. I'm like, what? I'm ready for that. Believe that God raised him from the dead. Believe that he's our hope of resurrection. He had lived the life of God, Jesus is Lord. But man, here I saw a man living it out, right? Faith to the end. I go, okay. I want to be like that. There's another thing here, though. God raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that Jesus calls us out of dead lives. You and me both, you know, for whatever it is. He's not satisfied to leave us in a tomb rotting away while we yet have breath in our lungs. And so today is Easter. And maybe today God's calling you out. He's like, stop living the dead life. Believe the good news. Confess him as Lord. Believe God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. You'll be saved, man, and saved for now and saved for later. I love that. I don't know where you are. I know you're here. But I don't know where you are with God. The good news today is that he is risen, and he is offering the gift to us, salvation in the name of his son and our Savior, Jesus. So if you don't know that, you can believe that right where you sit. Uh, I always say this at Family Bible Church, too. If you, don't believe, if you don't believe that, I'd invite you to continue to think about it, to ponder it, to keep hanging out, asking questions, seeking God where he may be found, because he is certainly around you. He will reveal himself to you. And maybe you've been that Christian who's like, hey, I'm here, Jesus, no matter what, sort of, kind of, maybe, sometimes. If that's you, man. I want to encourage you to embrace the life in Christ. Stop playing around with that. And just believe in Jesus. I'm going to pray. We're going to have the band come back up. But you can respond where you're at to those two things. Join me as, as we pray. Uh, Father God, uh, I recognize first and foremost that I am a sinner bought by your blood and of no worth of my own. Father, that you redeemed me from the gates of hell where I was certainly walking through and you have washed me clean. Today as we heard the story of resurrection and of your great love, 
of women who would be amazed and a man who you wouldn't quit on. I know I got men and women here today who are in those positions. Father God, I pray that you would be working in their hearts and lives. I pray that after today, we would trust you more. Maybe someone here for the first time will believe you. And not because Bill said so, and not because Family Bible Church, you know, did this, or because you moved in their lives in a powerful way, and they can no longer deny you. Father, I give you praise and thanks for that kind of repentance and salvation today. Father, as we continue to want a life in you, may we be less and less like Peter in our lives. May we just follow you, willingly go with you where you're sending us. I'm in awe of the work you do. You are worthy of praise. You're worthy of worship. And today, Easter is about you. Thank you so much for the gift. I thank you because you're the giver. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.